Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz coming at you. Sleaze, very, very exciting week in the world of golf. What a f- tournament. The Workday Charity Open did not disappoint. Probably, and this is saying something, probably the best event or most exciting event since the restart. And there's been some good ones. Big names up there. Colonial had the playoff, too. Now Morikawa's been a part of two of them. But that thing went from looking like it was over. Justin Thomas was going to walk away with it. And then all of a sudden, bam, in yeah. three short holes, it was we're live with the playoff. Yeah, three-shot lead, three to play. Couldn't close the deal. And then Justin Thomas goes out in the first playoff hole, makes a 50-footer, goes nuts, thought the tournament was over right there. And then Colin Morikawa – Zero panic, steps up, drains a 24-footer to extend the playoff. It was it was incredible. Yeah, that was the second putt. That 50-footer Justin made, that was the second putt he made where I thought this tournament's over. Mm-hmm. The first one was the eagle putt on 15. I was like, well, that's it. Three up, three to go. If Morikawa made the six-footer for par, which he did. But I thought it was over at that point. And then after the 50-footer goes in, I was like, no way this thing goes in. That was the first hole after, by the way. This is crazy. Like We, we should need to talk about this. The like three foot par putt that Morikawa mm. had to go to the playoff. I mean, that thing was about a centimeter from Horseshoe and would have been his second short miss putt that cost him a golf tournament. And all of a sudden, the rhetoric behind Colin Morikawa would be completely different. Like he he's, can't make short putts under pressure, all this stuff. And instead, he it lips in and then he goes and makes the crazy twenty four footer on top of JT's fifth. It was wild. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. And now, once again this week, another huge event, same golf course, different title, the Memorial Tournament. And this field is absolutely loaded. It is going to be so fun to watch. We'll get to that in our picks later on in the show. First, we got to do a little funny money from the Memorial. And I got one for you this okay, week. Okay, feed me. So this actually has nothing to do with golf. Perfect. But it happened at the Memorial. As usual, play there, MC, weekend off. Not, not the worst thing. Me and my boy D. Steph and some others decided to go to a bar down, out in Columbus, having a good time at night. And I know it shocks you, but I was in like a black T-shirt and a black hat. You're all black? Yeah. Everything? Yeah, That's so, weird. I wouldn't have even recognized you. We were standing... Like, kind of by the front door at the corner of the bar right there. And I'm standing there, just minding my own business, hanging out. We're talking. And all of a sudden, someone comes up and hands me their ID, thinking I'm the bouncer. <laughs> and I'm like, this yeah, guy, you're so good. I'm make like, sure this guy knows you're Okay. About. I'm like, well, let's just, let's just roll with this. So for about an hour, I played a bouncer at this bar. Everyone's coming up, giving me IDs. Girls obviously got in. Right. No, no problem. You look good. No then, need to check. Literally, after an hour... An employee comes up and they go, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I'm I, ready to I clock just went out. With it. Can I go ahead and get paid yeah. right now? I need By a the way, advance. I quit, but I need to get paid. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to sue your ass. So I'm going to need a couple week advance on this here. That was, I let in some sketchy characters, I did. Way. That is for sure. But it was it was a lot of fun that's looking back great. on it now. I love that that's my best story from the memorial. <laughs> that's the, tell us a great story about the memorial. I pretended to be a bouncer one time yeah, for it was a couple awesome. hours. That's pretty good. Oh, bad, But uh, it was a lot of fun. But first, we got to get next. We got to get to our guest. For this week, Keegan Bradley. We've had him on our other show, Sirius XM. He's our guest on Golf Subpar this week. And once again, he did not disappoint. He's great, man. He really opens up in these things. He's got some really, as a obviously a New England guy, he's diehard Boston, everything. But on top of that, he's gotten to be really close with Michael Jordan. So he's got some great stories about him, as well as Tom Brady. He's got to spend some time around Brady. And there's a really good story in there about when the two of them uh, were down in the Bahamas and played little hoops together, which is a fantastic story. It is. And, I mean, how about being a part of that on the basketball court, first off with Michael Jordan, but then just throw Tom Brady in there as well. Oh, yeah. Do you want to come? Hey, you want to play a little twos? Oh, yeah. yeah. Me and you? All right, you got Tom. Don't but, touch um, him. But this this one was so much fun. I wish he could have been here in person with us, but still, nonetheless, it was one of my favorite interviews we've done. All right, well, before we get to Keegan Bradley, Sleaze, you have a very important message from our official sponsor. 
Yes, I do, Colt. Thank you very much. Support for Subpar is brought to you by our official sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team just spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. I mean, 90 minutes, fellas. That is an absolute session. Make an evening out of this thing. You know what I mean? Maybe you light some candles, throw on a little boys to men, and just absolutely get amongst it. Get a little creative with it, too, if you want. Maybe you throw a little lightning bolt in there. You know what I mean? Spice things up a bit for the ladies. I don't know. That's the beauty of Manscaped, dude. The opportunities are endless. Options galore when you're dealing with Manscaped. And my myself, personally, I've not spent the full 90-minute session on my balls just yet, but let me tell you, I am planning on it because after just a couple of short sessions, my balls are looking as smooth as the top of my boy Colt's head right now. And if you've never seen Colt without a hat on, which a lot of you probably haven't, the top of his head is smoother than a baby's bottom. So go ahead, go out there, get the new Lawnmower 3.0 and treat yourself to a little session with you and your boys. I'm telling you right now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code subpar at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code subpar. Well, it's now time to welcome in our next guest to golf subpar, four-time PGA Tour winner, including the 2011 PGA Championship. Some call him Grandpa. We're going to call him Keegan Bradley. Keegan, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Well, let's just start right there. Your nickname is Grandpa amongst some of your really good friends out there. You've had it since college. Can you please explain to us why Grandpa? Well, I'm always the first to go home when we go out, <laughs> number one, even in college. And I was always the one that was like, oh, let's just stay in. So everyone called me Grandpa uh, in college, and they still do. But I just get tired. I can't stay out till 2 in the morning. I go to bed I, at like 1030. I'm like, all right, guys, I, I've had enough. This is This is enough for me. I love it. Do you like the nickname or not? Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind it. I mean, it, in college, it, it was, that was like a, a real derogatory thing toward me. It's like, oh, grandpa's here. So you don't want to go to bed. Now I, now I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You got a wife and kid now. Of course you want to go to bed. I agree. Yeah. I can't get to bed early enough, but that was given to you in college at St. John's. I find it interesting. Cause like this gets referenced a lot. Like you went to St. John's, you spent your final year of high school in Massachusetts where you won the state championship, by the way. And yet we're like not highly recruited. Like, how does that work? You win state. You got to think there's at least a handful of schools knocking on your door. I didn't get recruited really by anybody other than St. John's URI. They, they sent me some recruiting letters and I think they offered me a scholarship, but it was like 20%. I can't exactly remember the right amount. It was barely a scholarship. And the reason why I went to St. John's was, I love the coach Frank Darby, but they offered me a full scholarship right there when I went on the recruiting trip. And it was like, when he, when he said it to me, it like kind of blew me, blew me away. I, I couldn't believe it. And my, my really, my plan was, was to go there, play well, and then transfer into a, maybe a bigger program. And I just, I just fell in love with St. John's. I fell in love with all the guys on the team. And it, there was a point where I thought about it. And then I just decided, no, I love it. I want to stay at St. John's. And there was a part of me that was worried that I wasn't getting the right sort of training to become a pro, but you know, everyone takes a different path. Yeah. I heard like y'all were just kind of a team that would show up, hit a few balls and play a lot. There wasn't a whole lot of practice going on up, up at St. John's. 
we didn't have a home course. We didn't, and then we're, you know, it's in New York. So the, the winter time we couldn't play and we would, one of the things I would do is I would go into the, we had a thing in the St. John's called the auxiliary gym. It was just this gym that no one used. And they used to set up batting cages in there. And I would like pull a rug in from somewhere and I would hit balls in this batting cage. And if I hit it, hit a shot perfectly right and hit the metal part of the cage, the ball would come whizzing back at my head. <laughs> and then I'm speaking to like my buddy, John Curran and all these guys and they got, you know, facilities and indoor this and, and ranges they can go to. We would get a call in the summer from our coach and be like, all right, you can go play this course, but you got to go in the maintenance area and start in the third hole. Like don't look anybody in the eyes while you're there. So it was a different experience, but you know, it all worked yeah. out. You, you mentioned John Curran. What was it like playing in the massive shadow of John Curran? <laughs> I did play in the massive shadow of John Curran. I, I, I moved from Vermont uh, when I was 16. And like you said, I, I was a very, I was an accomplished player in New England and Vermont. I mean, that doesn't mean much in the golf world, but I went to Hopkins in high school and John Curran was there and he was one of the top ranked juniors in the world. And I played number two on the team behind John. And But what was great, when I moved to Massachusetts and became friends with John, he was the first person that I had met that wanted to do what I wanted to do and had a love for the game like I did. And we were able to play. I always had someone to play with. And it was a big, it was a big change in my career. Is it fair to say at this point you're the most famous person ever from Vermont? <laughs> uh, I... I don't know the answer to that. I doubt it. Aren't the isn't Fish from Vermont? Oh, the band Fish. Oh yeah, Colt would know. That's Colt's genre. I have no idea. He's eating granola and driving around his Subaru. He's got a lot of fish going on. Mm -hmm. You go from St. John's, you go to the mini tours for a year or so, then you make it out on the PGA Tour in 2011, and you have one of the greatest seasons ever for a rookie on the PGA Tour. You win the Byron Nelson, you you win the PGA Championship. And then your name, Rookie of the Year. Take us through that year. Well, I mean, what was that like for you? Well, were we were you was that your rookie year too, right? No, I was. That was my second go around. I was out there in '09. Yeah, I mean, I just you know my lifelong goal, as it is for everyone, is to make it to the tour. And I went through, like you said, St. John's, Vermont. I played a year in the Hooters Tour, a year in the it was called the Nationwide then it's Corn Ferry now, and then I got on the tour. So I took sort of a different route than a lot of guys and. I had realized my lifelong dream of making it to the tour. And I never had really thought past that point. And you're, once I got out there, I felt very comfortable. I felt like the courses suited me better than the, than the mini tours in the nation in the corn Ferry tour. I felt like it suited my game more of, you know, hitting drivers. And I got out there and I felt very comfortable. And I, at the time didn't know, but I got very lucky sort of, I came in sixth or seventh at the uh, Humana or Bob Hope, whatever it is now. And that reshuffled me up. And now I see guys, rookies, and they have great corn fairy and get on the tour and they don't reshuffle and their careers are, are almost over because you don't get in any tournaments. So I reshuffled up quick and I got in everything. And it just, everything was just happening at the right time, at the right moment. And I'm very thankful and lucky too. Did all that success, like you come out your rookie year, you win twice, including a major, your first major you ever played in, you win the thing. Did that like skew your perception of how tough it is to win on the PGA Tour? Like, hey, this shit's pretty easy. I just showed up here, I've won twice, and I already got a major. 
Not really. I definitely think there was an, there's an aspect of that of like not knowing how hard it is to win a major. Like every tournament was a major for me at that point. Every time I teed it up, whether it was Sony or the PGA, like that was the biggest tournament I'd ever played. And I was trying to establish myself in my career, but also keep my card. And, you know, all of a sudden I was in the PGA with the chance to win. And it just felt like, you know, I, I, this is what I've been doing just keep my head down and, and go. Now, now I think if I had you know, get in contention in a major, it weighs, it might weigh in you a little more, especially if you hadn't won one. But, um, so I kind of had that going for me and, and that was, that was kind of a plus that I didn't even know that was happening. Yeah, so you're you're at Atlanta Athletic Club. You get you get to go in the PGA after winning the Byron Nelson, and you're around the lead. After you're, I think you're in the last group on going into the weekend. You're right there with four holes to play. You make a triple bogey on the 15th hole on Sunday, which is an absolute, obviously, a disaster. You're five shots back with three to play to your good friend Jason Duffner. At that point, were you kind of like, okay, let's just try to have a really good finish, or did you think you could still win the golf tournament? So I was in the second to last group on Sunday. Duff was behind me. And I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to look at any leaderboards the whole day. Now, I probably would do that differently now. But back then, that was just a goal of mine was to, I'm just going to go play my round and see what happens. So I had no clue where I stood. I made triple on 15. And I didn't think, I didn't know where I stood, number one. But Winning the tournament, I just it was it was a long walk to 16, and I just kept telling myself that this is the best. This is going to be the best shot I'm going to hit all week. I'm going to hit this drive on the fairway, and I smashed my drive down there. I, I had 30 yards less of, of what I had all week. I made birdie there, and then I made a, a really long putt on 17 to go birdie 16, 17. And again, I wasn't looking at any leaderboards. I had no clue what Duff was doing. Meanwhile, the 15th hole is 270-yard par three of water. Like, it's a joke. <laughs> and, and so I'm walking to the tee and down the fairway, and the crowd is yelling out what's happening. So my whole plan of not knowing the leaderboards was out the window because guys are telling me, Duff just hit it in the water. Duff made this. You're tied for the lead. And I'm just trying to, like, walk down the fairway. So it was my plan kind of – change because then I'm thinking do these guys really know or are they yelling out maybe they don't know so ended up I ended up getting in the playoff with Duff and beating him but uh pretty incredible week just it's when I think back on that I see it happening from like almost like I'm watching on tv I don't see it through my sort of vision it's hard to explain it's just it seems surreal would you ever do that again, like having done it that way, not looking at a scoreboard for the entire Sunday? If you're in contention at your next major, are you going to, like, would you do that same thing? I don't know. I I think if you're in the final group, it depends on the situation that you're in. If you've got the lead and you're, you, you're got the lead going into Sunday by two or something, you shoot three or four hundred up the front, you know you're in the lead. Maybe let's just play. But I think that I've now, that I'm a little more comfortable, I would want to know kind of, what's going on but there's definitely a good aspect of not knowing that I'm trying to do the best I can on every hole so in, in a major if the pins over a bunker getting it to 30 feet might be a great shot and that's not hopefully not going to change what I'm going to do anyways are you more comfortable coming down the stretch in a major championship or at those photo shoots you used to have to do for Tommy Hilfiger <laughs> definitely major championship <laughs> those, those were those were uh yeah, 
they were different. Let's put it that way. I, I had to like. <laughs> you looked like such a natural. <laughs> yeah, they were flying. I actually see one of the models that I did it with. She's in like, like a perfume commercial with Jared Leto now. Like they flew in like proper French photographers and like these really serious models. And I, I would go in there and be like, one of them we did on a yacht in like the ocean. And I was just so uncomfortable <laughs> the whole time. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not something you think about when you're making the tour. What a demotion for those models. They show up for <laughs> Keegan and they get freaking Jared Leto, man. What a downgrade. <laughs> Who's this bum? I wanted Keegan. I'm so awkward too. So like they, they, they talk to me and, and I'd be just like, what? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the, 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 the photographer would be like, Keegan, I really need you to relax a little bit. Like you're way too uptight for this. Like he used to make me do this exercise with my mouth. I'd have to go <laughs> to try to like calm my face down. <laughs> so it was... This it was hardcore. That should have been filmed, boo. Behind the scenes, oh, Keegan no, Bradley, the model. Go on YouTube. He's got sweater tied around his neck. Next uh, to, oh, I watched it all today. Okay, okay. The model, she's beautiful. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, uh, that's so good. Well, you have this monster year in 2011. One of the perks of that, obviously, is you get on the Ryder Cup team at Medina, and you're paired. Like I, You've played multiple Ryder Cups, but the, the pairing that sticks out to me, and maybe it does to you as well, and I think a lot of golf fans, is the one you had with Phil Mickelson. You come out there at first Ryder Cup, how is there a better person on the planet that you could have been teamed up with than Phil Mickelson? No, well, actually, I've never played with anyone else but Phil in two Ryder Cups and a President's Cup. So I don't know what it's like to have another partner. But I remember Medina being just so nervous, like to the point of like I, I didn't want to play, really. I was that uncomfortable. And then I got on the tee and I'm there with Phil. I'm there with one of the greatest players ever. And we just were such a great partnership. Like, he would feed off me and then I would know I loved playing with Phil for a couple of reasons. One in alternate shot. I knew I could hit it anywhere and he would know he'd hit one out or I'd miss the green and he'd chip it to a foot. The other thing that we did was in best ball, my strength is I hit it pretty straight down the fairway and Phil is dinging it over here and over there. And he's hitting shots out of the woods to 10 feet. And guys are like, I, he's over there. I don't even know where he is. I just hear the crowd cheering. And the next thing I know, I look, it's up by the green. So I loved kind of our dynamic as a, as a partnership. And I was very willing to let Phil kind of talk and like lead the way. And, and he was the boss. And, and that really helped me too. And I always text him during these Ryder Cups and stuff, how thankful I am for him taking me under his wing. And as a rookie, it's so important to have a guy like that as your partner because they you're so uncomfortable and nervous and a guy like Phil takes that away. How big is there a better rah-rah guy than Phil out there? I mean, your first one, you said you're so nervous you don't even want to play, but that he waves the pom-poms for his partner, specifically, I would think, a rookie like you better than anyone, it seems like. Absolutely. And what Phil does is what he's great at is kind of if the situation is really tense, he has a great way of like making a joke or saying something that kind of making you laugh and uh, that can kind of disarm you. Or um, he used to have, have me rub his belly because he said it gave him, <laughs> gave me good energy, like stuff like that. I'd be like freaking out over something. Go come rub my belly. It's going to help me make this putt. And I go over there and I'd be like, all right, I feel better now. Maybe I am going to make this putt. So, stuff like that was, he's just, and you, you guys know him. He's just the best. He's just a, a fun guy to be around. You can't rub the belly anymore, though. No. You get teamed up with him again, you're going to be rubbing that six-pack, and it doesn't have the same yeah. juice. 
Is there is there anything better or anything you look forward to more than playing on those teams, though? Because that just looks like the greatest time and also the most nerve-wracking at the same time. Same time. It, it is because as golfers, we crave that locker room kind of team atmosphere because so often we're so on our own in the sport. And we're on our own when we win and we're on our own when we lose or when we make a missed cut. And it's so fun to be in that team locker room where, yeah, we have friends and we root for them. But we always want to beat that other person. But in this atmosphere, you're really rooting for this guy to play well and to, to, to do well. And it's so genuine. And you can, you can root for all the people you want or you can have a favorite player. But in this instance, you really – they're on your team. You want to win this. And it's, it's, such, it's almost like a drug. You really want to get on that, those teams and enjoy those times. Yeah, so your, your first Ryder Cup was on home soil in 2012. Then you make the next team in 2014 over in Scotland. What's it like? Obviously, the first one, everyone in the pretty much everyone in the gallery is rooting for you. Now you go across enemy lines over to Scotland. What was the biggest difference for you? And is it as hostile as it looks on TV? I would say it's a lot crazier in the U.S. than it is over there. The, really? the fans are a little more subdued, but it's still it's still intimidating. It's not intimidating. It's just it brings a whole nother element into, into what you're doing because you know if you hit a bad shot or do something bad, they're going to cheer and they're going to love it. And But then there was also such a fun atmosphere because you're kind of the villain. You can kind of go in there and be like, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and shut these guys up or we're going to go and we're going to go beat this team and, and, and it's going to feel even better. So there's that, there's that side of it, but certainly playing at home is, is way, way more fun. And you hear, I hear so much about the Ryder Cup team rooms. It's one of the things that, like, I think is the most fascinating thing in golf. And what role, like, you were a rookie one year, then you were a veteran going into this, your second one. What role would you say you play in that team room? Like, are you the jokester, the shit talker, the serious guy? What's your, if you had to define your role in that, in that player's room, what, do you, what role do you fill? My role, I didn't, I, whenever I'm in these team atmospheres, I kind of like to be in the background. There's definitely the guys that deserve the attention, that deserve the, the attention of the room, like Phil, Tiger, Stricker, Furyk, those guys. I never felt like I was in that spot where I could. There's a, there's always a moment in these team events where the team gets together and they throw out ideas of who they want to play with, uh, you know, what what days they want to play, what sort of do you want to play alternate shot or best ball. And I would I was always just like, plus I had Phil that was doing the most talking, so I didn't have to say much, but. I, uh, I would kind of just sit in, the, sit in the back and just kind of – sometimes I'd be sitting there thinking, I can't believe – I remember my – for Medina at, uh, I think, the BMW event, we had a team dinner, only the team, and this was way before the tournament. And I remember sitting in this room thinking, I cannot believe I'm here doing this. Like all of this – two years ago, I was on the Hooters tour, and now I'm in this team room, and we're talking about the Ryder Cup, and it, there's some moments of like – pinch yourself stuff that's so fun that's why you want to be on those teams because you get a friendship with those players beyond that that is incredible yeah and yeah. you also get some special guests that come to those team rooms and a guy that you've become very close to mr michael jordan was in the Ryder cup team room can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with michael yeah mj actually it's the first time i met him was it was at medina and i have always said there's no one that loves golf more than MJ. He just loves it. I'd say he plays he plays 36 holes pretty much every day of his life. And he loves the Ryder Cup. 
which is such a cool thing. He, he goes every year, doesn't matter home or away. And again, it's just another guy that I met that loves golf and loves to go out and play a match and loves to joke around on the course. And, and somebody that, again, that's your idol as a kid. And now you're able to be, have a friendship with them and somebody that you look up to and someone that I can text and lean on for advice that you can't get from pretty much any other human being to ever walk the planet. So it's, uh, and Cole, you know him, Cole. He's just the greatest guy. He's, he's nice to my friends. He's nice to people that just walk up to him. He's nice to people in restaurants. He's somebody that I really look up to and, and, and envy at what he does with other people and the way he treats people. Well, you might change what you're, what you just said after I read to you what he just, he texted me because I asked if y'all have been playing much golf lately. And he said, as of lately, Keegan has been my whipping boy. Ooh. He said he has just oh. been slapping you around. Fighting words. Okay. Defend yourself. Okay, I will give a, yeah, So if you win one, one match out of 250, does that count as a whipping boy? <laughs> hey, I can only say what the great Michael Jordan said. We played a game of wolf. This is this is his big win. We played a game of wolf before I left, and he gets all these shots. Okay, <laughs> so he tried. He gets on. He gets on these holes, and he'll just drop us all and, and go for his shots and try to bully us and, and hammering and pressing. But he, he got us at that. I'll give him that. But one out of one out of a thousand, I guess he can he can hang his hat on that. I guess yeah. he just he got you the last time out, so that's why as of lately he's been, a short his memory boy. Yeah, short memory guy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Give us a story where you've whooped his ass. Cause the only thing I ever read, the only thing I ever hear about is guys like, Oh, I had Michael three down and then he won the last four and I lost. Give me a story about you whipping Michael's ass. Cause there's none out there. If I always say to him, if, if I'm running low, if I don't want to go to the bank, I just text MJ to see if he wants to play the <laughs> But the, the, the thing with MJ is if you can, when you get, if you get him down, you've got to beat him because if you, if you get him riled up, just like on all these, like, the last dance and stuff. If you start talking and he gets excited and he'll start pressing you, like with, with my buddies especially, he'll he likes to press you to, to kind of get you uncomfortable. So you gotta get him down. And you get I always whenever I get him down, I don't say much. I just like <laughs> go about my business. But I don't I can't think of a of, of a specific story because there's too many of them. I can't I can't pick one. They're all my favorites. Like you can't pick your favorite kid. You're like, two forty nine all... and, and one in the last mm -hmm. two fifty, so that's pretty good. Well I want you to share, first off, I didn't even know this story until today. I was digging up some dirt on you, and I know you went to the Bahamas, and y'all land with Michael Jordan, and there's Tom Brady also on a plane, and y'all end up playing a pickup basketball game. Okay, first off, this yeah. just blows my mind. Okay, you're out there playing basketball with Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Like, at some point, did you pinch yourself and be like, holy shit, is this really happening right now? Yeah, it, well... So we were going to the Bahamas, we were with Luke Donald too, and we land and this plane pulls up next to us and we're looking out and this guy gets out. I'm like, that looks like Tom Brady. And, I mean, Tom Brady, I grew up in New England. MJ and Tom Brady were my, my guys. But Tom Brady is like a god in where I grew up. And so I didn't know this, but MJ and Brady are pretty close. And we just it just was total luck that this happened. So we, were, we played golf a couple times and. I remember this one time, this one thing, uh, uh, Brady's, they were talking trash with each other. And MJ said something like, get back to me when you've got six championships. And this was, now he's, now he's got six. Now he's come back and he's like, it's like crazy to think about. This was probably five, six years ago. But we were, 
sitting around at the house and I said to Luke Donald, I was like, let's go, let's go shoot some hoops. I, let's, I wanted to see if I could get MJ to come shoot with us. And so I'm just like, where are you going? We're like, oh, we're just going to go shoot a little hoops. He goes, oh, okay. I'm not going to come. Like, All right, it's fine. Sure enough, we convinced him to come. He goes, well, I'm not going to bring my shoes. I'm just going to go and we're going to just go. So we go, All right, we go down there. We play 21 and he's just kind of hanging. And then at one point he looked at one of the guys that worked there. He goes, go back and get my shoes. And so I was like, okay, nice. This is good. <laughs> now we're talking. So then all of a sudden now people are coming out from everywhere, from their houses. It's MJ's on the court and here comes Brady. And Brady's like, I want to play. So we played. It was me uh, and a couple of the guys at Baker's Bay and MJ and Brady got to be on the same team. They're like, they're so they're friends. And Luke was on that team. And I had to guard Brady and Brady was going so hard, <laughs> like too hard, like go, like elbowing me and like hitting me and like going up for rebounds. And I, and I was like, dude, you've got to chill out because if, if I, you come down and like tear your ACL, I'm never going to be able to go home for Christmas ever again. <laughs> and he was like really, really serious. Like I was an incredible basketball player, but it was, I have a picture of me guarding MJ and him kind of, Doing doing his moves where he picks the ball up, he's doing this, he's talking trash, and again, it's one of these moments. It's like, wow! And in obviously, it shouldn't come as a surprise, but it was incredible how good he was. <laughs> like it was, we're playing, we were playing outside, and it was super windy. And you know, when you shoot outside and it's windy, it's hard to hard to make baskets. And he was shooting these like punch shots that were like hitting the back of the rim, and it was just, it was just awesome. It was just. That's that's a memory of mine that's like that's in the Hall of Fame of memory. I want to sure. see that picture because that's got to be incredible. I mean, that would be a picture you'd never lose. I'll send That's I'll send I have a few. I have a few. I have a few. It's it's and he was talking, and then then all of a sudden, two hundred people are now watching <laughs> this basketball game, and MJ's loving it. Like if I. He was talking trash, and you know, there's some videos on YouTube of it. It's, it's were you just letting Brady score? Because you're like, dude, if I accidentally go at the ball and break his thumb, like I'm gonna be the most hated man in America. No, because part of me's like, he's this guy's tested me right now. Like he's like, I can't back down from him. But then I'm like, I don't want to tear my ACL either. Yeah. He's he's yeah. got 200 million in the bank. I'm still trying to, you know, and. But what, what was really uncomfortable was how good he was. Because I think I'm a decent basketball player, and he was, like, really good. And, and I really literally had to go, dude, you got to cool it. Because this is, like, good. one of us is going to get hurt here. That's, that's hilarious. That's but so good. Tom Brady, obviously, you're, first off, one of the reasons me and you get along so good, one of many reasons, is we love trash-talking football. And I know you're a diehard Patriots fan. Like, I'm a diehard Cowboy fan, but I just love giving it to you when something bad happens to the Patriots, which is not very often. But when Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers, it was honestly top 10 days of my life just because I could mess with you finally. What was that day like for you when he left your beloved New England Patriots? So, I had been hearing rumors all year that he was leaving. Like, guys that would know. Guys like sports commentators, people that spoke to him. But I, I never thought when the time was going to come for him to, like, tell Belichick I'm leaving. I never thought he was going to actually do it. I just didn't. But I've been hearing the whole year. I, was, I heard he was going to the Raiders. I thought he was going to the Raiders the whole time. And then when it happened, it was, like, shocking. Like, I remember I – like, I couldn't believe it. Like, this is a guy – and this is – I've told this to Brady before. My love for the Patriots is 
goes back to when I was a little kid. Like I have such memories with my dad watching them win a Super Bowl in my basement. And then I have a memory now with my son. And I went to two Super Bowls with my wife where they won. And then now I, I watched a Super Bowl win with my little son, Logan. So I had these like life memories that go along with these Patriots and Tom Brady, as corny as that sounds. But when he left, I was so sad. Like I was like, this is, such, and I'm, I'm 34 years old. Like I'm an, I'm an adult now, I'm not 13. And I was bummed. But when, when Gronkowski went to the Tampa, that I started to get upset. I, that was, I went from sad to being like, I don't know, this is, I'm not liking this anymore. Do you own true or false a Tom Brady popsicle color Tampa Bay TB12 jersey yet? No. Okay. No, no, That's okay. true. I, That's true I, I, I'm a Tom Brady New England Patriot fan. I mean, I, I always want these guys to do well, but man, I would just, if this Cam Newton can come in and they can meet in the Super Bowl or something, holy cow. Oh my God. I, I, would, that, be, it, I, I wouldn't be able to be around it, you. I would not be able to be around you if Cam Newton leads them to a Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Like that would just be oh, their Super Bowl odds went from thirty-four to one to nineteen and one, and then I just read a, a sports better sharp that says the real odds he thinks is twelve to one. Wow, pretty good odds. So, so you like the signing? I think it's incredible. I, I love it. I, I I think he can come in. I don't know because if you look back to his last healthy season, he was incredible. Mm -hmm. But in the last couple seasons, it's been terrible because I think he's hurt. But I don't know. I'm excited. If Cam comes in and wins the Super Bowl in his first year as a healthy Cam, does that just prove that hey, it wasn't Tom Brady? Maybe it's Bill Belichick that's the master behind all this secret sauce. Mm. I don't think so. Oh, okay, no. it's Tom. <laughs> my best friend Tom. My best friend. <laughs> it's my guy Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, let me ask you this. I saw him recently at the I saw Brady and I was like, I went up to him and I was like, hey, I'm always going to be rooting for you, blah, blah, blah. And then after I was like, man, that was so weird. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I went back to like my 13-year-old self. Like he's like got to get, he's got to get like, he's got to feel good for me saying yeah. like, I, like it matters to him. But I was like, Hey, I'm always going to be rude for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Tom, Tom you, you can still always call me yeah. if you need to talk about anything. Tom can sleep easy at night knowing he's got Keegan's support, <laughs> even though he's on the Bucks. My wife, my wife always makes fun of me because I get, I get starstruck around Tom Brady a little bit. I've met presidents, Michael Jordan, all these guys. Tom Brady's the guy where I'm like, after I say something, I'm like, man, that did not come out right. That's not what I meant to say. So. That's awesome. That's great. I got to ask you this one question because I'm genuinely interested because you were probably the first guy. I'm a big shoe guy. You were the first guy that I can remember wearing Jordan golf shoes on the golf course. And obviously you have a close relationship with MJ. So I assume that's how it came about. But how do you go? Do you, is that a situation where you approach Michael Jordan? Like, Hey dude, I'd love to wear your, I'd love you to make some golf shoes and I'd wear them for you. How, how do you get that deal? So this actually goes back to a Tommy Hager, Tommy Hilfiger photo shoot, if you can believe it. Oh yeah. On full circle here. So I had a I had a shoe deal with a certain company, and they had a clause in my contract that said, if I have a golf club in my hand and I'm getting a, a photo taken, I have to have these style shoes on. If I don't, they can terminate my contract. So I I did this deal almost. I, I was with this company and then I signed this deal. And I did this because I liked this guy that worked for this company. It wasn't a deal that I had to have. I just thought this was the right thing to do. So I did a Tommy Hilfiger shoot that was super fancy. It had like a, like a tux on or something. 
and I had wooden golf clubs that were like props on my shoulder or something, and I had dress shoes on. They saw this photo and terminated my contract, and I was so pissed. Like, I was like furious about it. And so then, like, the next day, I'd been playing golf a ton with MJ, and you know, I struck up a friendship. I just got up the nerve one day and said, Hey, do you have any interest in doing golf shoes? Someday and he was like, "Yeah, I've been wanting to do this, and would you be willing to go out to Oregon and blah blah blah?" And so I went out there and went through all the steps, and that's how it that's how it happened. And it's the, the to watch you can see why Jordan brand Nike is so successful because the 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 uh, focus they put on the shoes to I wanted the tongue a little longer, a little wider, so when it rained it wouldn't like drip in. Or I wanted the shoelaces a little shorter, or this and that. It did everything. It was really incredible. That's incredible. That's inc Eric Keegan's coming soon. Waiting on those Eric Keegan's. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, Keegan, this is the last part we do. We do it with every guest. It's called Emergency Nine. Nine fun questions. Don't overthink it. Don't get nervous. But I'm going to... Be yourself, Keegan. Yeah. All right. So there's a movie about the life of Keegan Bradley. Who plays Keegan Bradley? And by the way, we I both... I told you this. Okay. Who you got? Well, I told you this at the Ranger Rib that it's I gotta have the most high-strung guy, so I'm going Shia LaBeouf. He has like a meltdown like every other week, so I'll, I'll choose him. I like <laughs> it. So we each get to come up with one he for you as well. Off the rocker. Yeah. And uh, I found one that I think is very good, and I think you're gonna like it actually. Um, does the name Jim Parsons ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he looked like Steely a little bit. We call. Did you say Steely? <laughs> <laughs> that's Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. I know you're a big fan of the Big Bang Theory, so I thought that just would work perfect. Yeah, I like that. That's got to be flattering. I had you pegged, and I take a lot of pride in these picks, as Adrian Grenier from Entourage. Wow, I was just watching Entourage before I did this, like like 20, like right before I got on with you guys. That's, that's I would take that. Yeah, we'll get this movie yeah. made, too, by the way. By the way, I could rewatch yeah. the Entourage series every other week. They're incredible. I love it. I love it. I've literally just been watching it like this whole this whole afternoon. Bye. Great. Number two. All right, number two. Of the following three, who do you think is the most handsome? Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, or Cam Newton? That's a lot that's a hot lineup. Okay. <laughs> He's not gonna go against Tom. Dude, Edelman. There isn't gonna be a question where what's better and Tom Brady's in. I'm gonna choose Tom Brady every time. <laughs> It's not even, you could name like 50 other people. It wouldn't matter. Okay. Who's All the right. best at math? No, I'm kidding. Okay. All right. I like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So after you won the PGA, you got to do some really cool things. And two of these happened in the same week. You got to throw out the first pitch at a Red Sox game and flip the coin before the Patriots game. Which was the better experience? Well, for me, for, I, when there, my mom has this little thing when I was like in kindergarten or first grade or something of what I wanted to do when I grew up. And it said my, I wrote for all the first pitch of Fenway. Oh. So that was, and it was Red Sox and Yankees. And it was a week after I won the PGA, they gave me a box and I had like 30 people come. And that was, I also got to drop the puck at a Bruins game that same week. The Holy Trinity. I went well, and I also went to the Celtics, uh, uh, practice silly and Danny Ainge gave me a jersey with my name on it with a red eight and I shot eight under at the PGA. So I could do all four of those in one, one week. It was pretty incredible. But the, the first pitch yeah. by far is like, I've been asked to do the first pitch again at other places and I'm only a Fenway guy. 
I only do it. Wow, what a week. Sorry about your life, Keegan. Winning. Things will turn around, dude. Yeah. Things will bounce. After yeah, every yeah. dark night, there's a bright day. That's Tupac. This yeah. is not one of the questions. If they had a radar gun on your pitch, what did you come in at on the first pitch? Not not hard. I Because I practiced, too. And I, all I did want to do was not balance it. So I was like, like in uh, the I went and talked. They must have had a joke with the pitchers because I was so nervous. I nervous about everything, but I asked Tim Field. I said, "What, what should I do? Should I do a windup or, or or no?" He goes, "No. The biggest mistake is guys go out there and they do a windup and they do horrible." It's like, okay, perfect. And then John Lester was on the team at the time, and I asked him. I go the same question. He goes, "Everybody does no windup, and that's why they screw up. You have to do a windup." So like this is like ten minutes before I go out, and I'm like, they they had to have had it. people must ask this to them all the time. So I didn't do a windup, and I threw it soft. But it was over the place. Yeah. There's awesome. only one, there's only downside in throwing out the first pitch. If it's terrible, it's going to be blasted everywhere. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're fine. All right. So you yeah. did good because I haven't seen how, if it was bad, I would have seen a million replays of it. All right. Next question. You. You're lining up at slot receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for an entire game. You're a very good athlete. That's been well documented. Do you end the game with a reception? Current no. day. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the right well, answer. So I could probably just run out there and it'll hit me in my hands. But no, I couldn't. I don't think so. Okay, that's very honest of you, Keegan. I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number five. You've obviously you played a lot of golf with Phil Mickelson, a lot of golf with Michael Jordan, both legendary trash talkers. Who's better? Who who can get who gets you better? MJ. MJ will say stuff that you're like laying in bed later and you're thinking, oh, that was that was brutal. Like there, MJ, MJ. <laughs> MJ's tougher. Phil's is like kind of fun, and like, but MJ's like, if you get it, if you go at him, you better be ready. He's like Colt. He's like you. I don't like saying anything to you because you're, <laughs> you'll come back 10 times harder, and then you can't say anything back to you because it's like you doesn't, doesn't affect you. But MJ, MJ by far. Well, I'll just give you one right now just to help you. Next time I talk trash to you, you can always just say, well, you've never interviewed me. So that'll, that'll help you a little yeah, bit. That's, that's put yeah, that's put it to bed. There you situation. go. See, I just hate it on myself. Just get it out of that's the way. Good. That's good. And MJ and Colt do get brought up in the same sentence a, a lot, lot of time. That's, a lot. You're not the first person to put those two <laughs> names in the same sentence. All right, next question. You're driving down the street. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg are all standing on the side of the street for a ride. You only got two seats available in your car. Who are you leaving behind? Mm. Boston Legends. Um, Ben Affleck. Oh, I knew that would be, everyone hates Affleck. <laughs> I, I've met, I've, I've met Wahlberg. He loves to play golf. I've never met Damon. So I have to say Affleck. I actually saw you in Hawaii this year when, uh, Justin Thomas took me to dinner with Wahlberg and you came by and said, hi. Yeah. Yeah. We, he's, yeah. He what loves to play golf. Yeah. He's, he's a, such a good guy. Yeah. And he's a, he's a prop. He's from Dorchester. That's the real deal there. I feel like all you Boston guys are such a tight-knit group. I'm shocked that you haven't met those guys, the other two. Well, yeah, it's like if you're from New England or especially Boston area, you're like in a little club. You're like, are you from Boston? Then you're like automatically friends. It's not possible. Yeah, it's so obnoxious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number seven. What's the biggest insecurity about yourself? Hmm. About my golf wise? No, just about you in just general. It doesn't have to be golf, but it just, you in general. My biggest insecurity about myself, probably my biggest wow. Yeah, I'm really curious. Yeah, this dude, we bring question. we bring the noise on this thing. 
my biggest insecurity would probably be my my biggest fear is in my golf career is I'm going to look back and think, man, I didn't do enough with with the talent or what I think I could have done. So I this is why I'm always practicing a ton, and I always I'm always worried that if I want to ask myself that question at the end of my career and not have that like man, I think you could have done more. And I think about that all the time. And now, now I'm 34, you know, I'm, I'm all of a sudden not, like I, I was always one of the younger guys in the tour. Now I'm not there. So I definitely, that's, that's my biggest, that's my biggest. Well, that's thing. a great answer, but it's the wrong answer. Cause I've heard from several friends, including your good friend, Mr. Brendan Steele, that your biggest insecurity is your feet. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. This is really serious. Yeah, it is. I won't, I won't wear sandals. Mm-hmm. I will always have socks on. Like, I heard I you always. go in the pool with socks on and then take them off. That's weird, dude. That's weird. That's, <laughs> That's what Brendan. That said. is so strange, bro. What What's going on with your feet that we yeah, got to know what about? What is the problem? Hold your feet up right now. I want to see one. My wife will even say like they're not gross. I just like I AI fight male feet are just like so disgusting. Like everything about them is just horrible. I I feel very uncomfortable on my bare feet i cannot believe you swim with socks on that's that's (laughs) that's really strange bro (laughs) let's hop let's take a quick dip let me go get my socks on all right i'll be right back all right all right next question you can't get mad at me for this because it was approved by a couple different people they said it'd be okay but all right you and miguel and hell jimenez step into the octagon who wins and how long does it last oh my god well i'm half his age aren't i yeah, I yeah, think so. That's we almost got. It's got. I know. I know it's got to be quick. Quick. He doesn't want any part of me. <laughs> That's what I figured. That's what I figured. All right, <laughs> last one. This is a tough one. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. John Kern, Jamie Lovemark, and Brendan Steele are all drowning. Mm. You only got one life jacket to save them. Oh, who shit. gets it? Oh shit! You're gonna lose anything. two friends. I'm staying with Brendan and Jamie right now. They're like right outside here. So John's dead. One of them's dying. So I only have two life jackets. No, you have one life jacket. You only jacket. got one, bro. Two, two are dead. Supplies are short on this boat. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have to save Johnny Kerr. He, he, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 gonna have to. Not let these guys hear that part. <laughs> <laughs> IP Brendan Steele and uh, Jamie Lovemark. Tough break. Learn to swim better, boys. I love it. Well, Keegan, <laughs> this has been an absolute blast, man. We really, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, best of luck this week. Thanks, guys. Yeah, go get them. Keep those feet covered up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. See you, bud. All right. Well, Sleaze, that was so much fun. Keegan is just an absolute blast, and I love, first off, he swims in socks. That bothers That's, me. We I did not get that. into that, that near deep enough. But I got. I want to see one of these feet and what one of these little hooks that he's got on the bottom of his legs look like. They got to be terrible if he will swim in socks. He had no idea Mm-mm. that that was coming. I have to thank Brendan Steele for that little bit of information. That was a very nice text he sent me. We do our homework here on Golf Subpar, but uh, I, I love that he decided to choose John Curran after letting um, after. Steele killed him with the feet comment. After drowning Brendan Steele. Yeah, I sent Steele a text after that because they were staying in the house together there in Columbus. I was like, hey, go in and ask Keegan Bradley why you di- why you just drowned. And he's like, all right, hold on. And he comes back and he's like, haha, it's okay. I would have saved Curran too. Yeah, so. it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, dude, a hell of a player too. I mean, he's got it. First off, you don't realize he went on a run there for like three or four years where he was 
in the uh, tour championship, made a ton of money out on tour. Obviously, a major champion winner, but a guy that really seems like he's getting back into form now that he's figured out this putting a little bit. Yeah, the putting thing. I mean, he comes out has one of the best rookie years that we can remember. I mean, he wins a regular tour event and wins a major. That rarely happens, and he's got everything dialed. He's rolling the shit out of it with the belly putter, and then all of a sudden, like, oh hey, by the way, you know that secret weapon you got? Can't use anymore. I mean, that's a huge thing just mentally and then he's experimented with a lot of different ways now and hopefully he's locked in with that you know arm bar with the arm bar grip whatever you <laughs> know not like choking the same anyone. way uh web putts so yeah. it works for web for sure but yeah it'd be good to see him getting back getting comfortable with that putter because he's got a lot lot of game for sure but now we have to go over our results from last week i i finally rebounded a little bit yes um did. had all four guys make the cut and made up a little ground i believe producer mark yeah, you made up some ground. I know you hate the rule about not mm. being able to pick the same person, but not being able to pick Patrick Cantlay last week, even though he finished top seven for Drew, made you an extra half million dollars mm, catching up in this with JT. Um, for o- nothing. Overall, you've closed the gap down to 670K. A strong week here. Obviously, we can see the lead retaken or something big open up with the prize money involved. Yeah, massive purse this week. Sleeve. This thing's Nine a roller coaster right now. This yes. is a, this is a title fight. This is a couple of this, heavyweights just trading blows right now. Yeah, this rule of having to uh, to not be able to pick the same person, even though I do extensive research, and it's not my fault that you can hack into my computer occasionally and copy some of mine, and then I have to change my picks. But I've got the honor back this week. Well, if you hadn't, if I had given you the pick last week and given you Cantlay, I would have taken Justin Thomas. So it worked out in your favor after all that charade okay. last. Anyways, week. back yeah. to me. It's my pick. It is yours. Um, thank God. Yeah, I'm gonna keep rolling with this guy. He played. He played great on Sunday. Final round, 65. Defending champion at Memorial, Patrick Cantlay, 14 to one. I'm gonna roll with him. Yep, not a bad pick. Uh, probably would have been the direction I would have gone. Seven straight top 17s now for Cantlay. And he didn't really even figure it out, I didn't feel like, till the last round. So I expect big things from him. I'm going to go out of the box here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little man by the name of, guess it, Bryson DeChambeau. He's back. The big, the big unit. Uh, he's been in Denver all week, I believe, working on hitting it further, which is good. That gave him a little extra distance. So, I mean, shit, dude, it's hard not to pick him. It's cliche to pick him over and over, but like, God, play a bad week and maybe I won't pick you, but he hasn't That's played fair. bad in so long. So, finally, this should be one of those big boy courses where he can where he can really send it as much as he wants, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm willing to roll the dice until I see a one mediocre week. I don't least. blame you. All right, let's go to pick number two. All right, Our pick 26 two. to 50 to one, guys. And there's some big names in these yep. in the next two categories that you normally don't see just because the field is so good here. But I'm going to go with a guy I know we both love. Xander Shoffley is 28 to one this week, which, I mean, he was 14th last week, one of the better iron players uh, on the PJ Tour. And being that this course is going to, you know, what we're expecting is it's going to play tougher, firmer greens, probably not going to touch the rough for the rest of the week. I like him. The harder the golf course gets, the more I like him. So, I mean, Another solid week last week for Xander. I'll go with uh, Xander for my middle tier, 28 to 1. Yeah, very good pick. I really like that pick a lot. But since we're not allowed to duplicate each other, I'm going to go with the guy. I got a little inside information on this guy. He's 40 to 1. He finished T5 last week, putted the ball great, was fourth in putting. He texted me and said, if I finish fourth in putting, I should win the golf tournament by three to five shots. He was very upset with his with his golf swing. Did some work Monday morning. With a new coach, new little set of eyes, Justin Parsons, said he really likes what Justin did with his golf swing, 
and he's one of the best iron players on tour. There's no doubt one of the best ball strikers. Gary Woodland, 40 to 1. Look for him to play great this week. Skinny Gary. Going off at 40 to 1 is very surprising. I know, especially after a T5 after last a week. great week last US week. US Open one champ. One of the best iron players. Yeah, defending US Open champ, which he makes sure that uh, we remember that. So, yeah, 40 to 1. I think that's a good pick. All right, this is where I feel like it gets really interesting this week. There are some dudes in this 50 plus to 1 mm -hmm. category that normally aren't on the board. I feel like this is where you can really make some money. The first one, I'll lead it off here. I'm going with a guy 80 to 1 which is really surprising given the style of play or the, the, the way he plays golf is um, Paul Casey is 80 to one. He's only had one start since the, since the restart, which is probably is why, you know, his odds are so high. Uh, he shot four rounds in the sixties at the travelers, a place that he's been great. But I look at iron play as the, you know, this week, the top three guys in the tournament were the three best strokes gained approach. This guy's ninth in tour on strokes gained approach. Paul Casey, I'm going with him 80 to one, which is pretty surprising. Yeah, very, very solid. I guess the putter is always the question with him. And on these big, fast, slopey greens, that'd be the only probably yeah, reason. I mean, but 80, I got to yep. think the 80, if he had played it just a couple weeks, it would be significantly yep. less than that. All right. My guy is going off at 70 to one. One of the streakiest players on the PGA tour. We've seen it happen twice in the FedEx cup playoffs. When he gets rolling, he goes, he finished T seven last week, finished tied for ninth in the 2019 Memorial. My man, Billy Ho, Ooh. Billy Horschel. Okay. Yep. Well, sneak Surprised didn't there, see that didn't one I? coming. Did uh -huh. not see that. He's going what? 70 to 1? 70 to 1. Man, some big name Shot guys. 66 with on Sunday. Crazy long odds. Week. This would be a good week to sprinkle the infield on some of these 50 plus to 1. If you're a guy that likes to bet 20 mm -hmm. bucks or something, bet 20 of these guys, and you got a pretty damn good shot of one of them having a week. All right, you got Billy Ho of your first one. I'm going to go. This is, it came down. I had three names on the list here. I ended up going with a guy that I think is perfect here. He's played well here. The only caveat he played last week, played terrible. Shot five over, missed the cut, trunk slammer. But when you look at all the stats that matter, and he hadn't played in a while, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Mark Leishman is going off at 66 to one. Uh, he's really high up in the strokes gained approach category as well. Um, so, you know, hopefully last week with the plus five, a little warm up event for him, got his feet wet. He can't go anywhere. So he's been in Columbus. There's only one thing to do really is hit balls. So I like Leishman on this golf course, 66 to one. I like Leishman everywhere. Just yeah. Really, really great, solid, sneaky, quiet player. All right, my pick, 70 to 1 as well. Been playing some great golf. Second at the Travelers. Seventh last week after not the best weekend, but a guy that just hits a ton of greens, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think with the greens being a little firmer, a little faster, puts more emphasis on ball striking, Where and there probably won't be as many putts made, which really help him out. I'm going Kevin Streelman. Mm. 70 to 1. He's been nice. Final. He yeah. is so good in the Midwest. Like, as soon as you get him off all the Bermuda and the Southeast stuff, you get him back into, like, place he's comfortable. He mm -hmm. is a beast up there. Yep. Okay, right. so to recap, I got Patrick Cantlay, Gary Woodland, Billy Ho, Kevin Streelman. Yes, sir. Team Sleaze, DeChambeau, Xander Schauffele, Paul Casey, Mark Leishman. All right, well, best, best of luck. Place. Somebody's going to make a huge jump in this 50-plus category yep. this week. All right, well, everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. Park.